Welcome to the Bruce Bright Breakdown. My name is Dr. Bruce Bright. I'm a Marine fighter pilot, retired, did uh, 28 years in the Marine Corps. Following that, went to school, got my doctorate in psychology, and now a coach. What we're going to do on the Bruce Bright Breakdown is we're going to break down each guest as they bring in their topic. So we're going to get to the Bruce Bright Breakdown each and every week. I hope you join us. It's going to be fun, exciting, informative, and I think you'll love it. So join us right here on the Bruce Bright Breakdown. Hey guys, welcome to the Bruce Bright Breakdown. I've got an exciting episode today because it is one of my favorite friends and most favorite man in the world. It's a, a young man that I met a long time ago. It was post-career for me. So I had retired from the Marine Corps and decided that I wanted to go into the coaching business, executive coaching. And Mr. Michael Bell was my first client. This is an incredible story you're about to hear, but you've heard me say this on a couple of my podcasts. And, and, you know, I select every guest. So if they come on here, they're, they're approved by Dr. Bright. I can tell you one thing before you hear this story. And I want you to, every time he starts talking, I want you to kind of lay it across this framework. The reason that Michael Bell is successful is because Michael Bell's a good guy. He, he's, he's the salt of the earth. He's smart. I mean, he knows what he's doing. So when it comes to business, if Michael Bell tells you that you should be doing something in your business and when you're working with him, I highly recommend you do it because he's, he's just he's the top of his world. But there's a lot of guys that are kind of smart in what he does. What Michael Bell's got that they don't. He's got a heart of gold. He's a good man. He's a he's got a beautiful young family, beautiful wife and little girl and a great dad, great husband, great friend. So um, it's just kind of you can I hope you're getting a flavor here. I'm just I, I dig him. He's a he's a great guy. And I feel blessed to have met him when I did because he hired me to coach. And then I hired him to do what he does. I'm going to let you tell. He's going to tell a story. So I won't, I'm not going to let the cat out of that bag. But um, so we worked together for a long time. I've met many of his friends because when I moved to Birmingham, I didn't know anybody. I, you know, I spent 28 years in the Marine Corps and I came back to Birmingham and I didn't know that. Well, Michael Bell knew everybody. So he let me kind of borrow some of his friends. Some of them are business, business partners and business friends. So I used them to do work as well. But anyway, I'm thrilled. Michael Bell, thank you so much for coming and for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I it's, appreciate you saying young man. At 40, it's not young anymore. <laughs> well, I'm 20 years your senior. So I was going to say, I was like your dad. Actually, I could be your dad. I'm 20 years older than you are. Okay. I will say this before we start with the story. And by the way, guys, get ready because this, this is an incredible story. We are both sitting here and we're teeing up a glass of Judge Roy Bean, which is a mutual friend of ours, Dave Gibson, who's been on the podcast. Um, it's a bourbon that he's making. And he's a mutual friend. And I actually met Dave Gibson through Michael Bell. Um, and I can give you a laundry list of people that I met through Michael Bell, because when I would go to him with a, a problem, of course, it was something he did. He would, he'd fix it. But if not, he'd go, all right, go see this guy or call this guy. Uh, and I can tell you his recommendations are always right spot on because he only does business and deal with folks that are good people. So, Michael, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Just go back as far as you're willing to go and tell us how you got to be the Michael Bell today where you are today. All right. Let's go all the way back. So I tell people when they ask my story, I tell I'm kind of the reluctant entrepreneur and how I got to here, how I got where I am today. So we'll go through the steps and talk about how I stumbled into each one of these things. Came to Birmingham in 1999 to go to Sanford. Didn't have a lot of knowledge about Sanford. Ended up coming here because other friends had come here. I went to a private Christian high school in Memphis that kind of fed students to Sanford a lot came and looked at it, kind of fell in love with it compared to the other big state schools. 
and kind of came here one visit, one sight unseen. Let's jump in and do this. Got to Stanford. At that time, they only had two business majors. They had, you were either business administration or you were accounting. Knew I didn't want to do accounting. Like words, not numbers, always been that way. So went to business administration. And really my plan was marketing. And I assumed marketing would be at Regions or Alabama Power in a marketing department at a big company. Grew up in a corporate family, grew up in a publicly traded company with my dad. New big corporate. That's what I knew. That's what I liked. That's what was comfortable. That's where I thought I was going. And things changed for me. Sophomore year of college, I got an internship with the Bruno event team. And they are a local sports group here that puts on events. And I was an intern with them. And I saw this whole idea of sports marketing as an opportunity and a thing you could do. And I loved golf. I grew up playing golf. I played high school golf. And we worked on a golf tournament. They put on the Bruno's Memorial Classic at that time. It's now the region's tradition or whatever they call it. But working around that, I was like, oh, there's a whole career in sports marketing. All right. That's more interesting than corporate. So then I kind of changed my mindset and I was like, all right, I'm going to work in sports marketing. Did that internship for three years, sophomore, junior, and senior year of of Sanford, and really felt like that was where I was going to work. I had a long conversation with Bruno Event Team. When I came back for that third year internship, I was like, guys, I'm basically a full-time employee at this point. Like, you're going to hire me when I graduate? And they were like, yeah, we are. If you come back for this third year, we got a spot for you. So all my friends senior year are like freaking out. What are we going to do? Where do we apply for jobs? Where's the money come from? Yeah. What's next? And I'm like, sitting back in the cut and I'm like, I got a job. I'm good. <laughs> didn't send out a resume. didn't do anything senior year. Like did my, inter- did my internship, worked on the golf tournament and just planned to roll right into a full-time job. And then I graduated and Bruno Mid team, not to their, I mean, not sour about this. They just didn't have a position. Yeah. Turned out they didn't have a full-time job available at that time. And so I was behind. I mean, like immediately behind. Everybody else had jobs lined up at that point. <laughs> you weren't even looking. And I went home to Memphis and lived in my parents' garage to figure out what was next because I was now three months behind my, all my classmates. And what I realized in that was while Bruno Eventim didn't work out, I had interacted with so many people through that internship. People had come and gone through that golf tournament. Every company in Birmingham is involved in some way or another. I've been in every meeting with everybody in and town. And now they know Michael Bell. And they know Michael Bell. So I started working that network. I worked backwards. Who have I met through Bruno Event Team? And one of the people that I met was an ad agency in Birmingham called Big Communications. I had no concept that I could work at an ad agency. Wasn't something that was on my career path. Again, thinking big corporate, thinking marketing at regions. Really thought advertising was for creative people and designers and not something that I had gone to school for. Like there was an advertising major over in the communications department at Sanford, not in the business school, not me. But I reached out to them because they were in that network. They were on the list of people I'd met. And I kind of discovered way late in the game that there's a whole business side to an ad agency. There's account service, there's strategy, there's business intelligence, there's analytics, there's all of it, media buying. The creative side is one half of the house, but the business side of the house is the other half. And though I had no intent to ever work in an ad agency, that's what my first job was. Big Communications ended up hiring me. Again, that reluctancy, that falling backwards into things, didn't know I was going to work in an ad agency. And the job that they had available was assistant to the president. 
it was truly an assistant job. It was go get coffee. It was get his car washed. It was do all the things that an assistant would do. And a lot of my Sanford buddies were making money and judging that. And they were like, you're an assistant. You're getting coffee. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I spend all day, every day with the president of this agency. Uh, you're, you're hanging out with a decision maker. I hang out with him and see how he runs this agency every day. And so I did that for a year, learned as much as I possibly could. He promoted me to be an account service person so that I had my own projects and my own accounts, clients. Did that for a year. He promoted me again, got me into PR, doing some more public relations stuff. Did that for a year. He promoted me again, senior account executive, taking on some of the biggest clients in the agency. Did that for a year. He promoted me again. And when at that time, you know, I'd been there five years and I was the director of client services, running the whole business side of the agency. So that whole assistant thing turned out pretty well. Turned out pretty well. Yeah. And well, so, let me stop you here for a second. Yeah. Because I want, I want, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll jump in here occasionally. I want the audience to listen to uh, a few things. David Oakley was on a few podcasts ago. Great guy and big real estate guy. And he told me, he said, because the way I met him was just through an introduction to a mutual friend. And he said, Bruce, never underestimate an introduction. But when my daughter went to Memphis to school, she's there now. She's a senior at the University of Memphis. Guess whose dad is right next door to her? I mean, uh, he could be to her in, in minutes if I need him to. It's Michael Bell's dad. Um, so again, another small world. And then uh, just recently, I was having dinner with uh, a friend that I did not know was a friend of Michael Bell. <laughs> and they asked me about, hey, how'd you get started and all that? And I said, well, you know, I all started this guy named Michael Bell. And when I said that, the wife of this there was a couple, the wife lit up like a Christmas tree. And it's Michael Bell's workout partner. And he's dear friends with that couple. But also David Oakley, who uh, the guy I was telling you said, never pass up an introduction. Michael Bell's been friendly for over 20 years. Um, so it's just, the world is small and we're all six people apart. And you're going to find out as we go through this, uh, the podcast, the number of people that Michael Bell has touched as he, as he moves through his career. And now he's, he is connected to everybody in Birmingham. So, okay. So we're, let's go back. You're at big. Now you've been moved to the, you're running the whole business out of the house. What next? Yeah. So six years in, never had an idea that I was going to work in an ad agency. And suddenly I'm kind of running the business side of an ad agency. Creative side's great. Owner of the agency's great. He's running the creative side. I'm kind of making the dollars and cents work and keeping the clients happy doing the account work. And at that time, Big was going through a transition. They were getting bigger. When I started at Big, we were a small shop. We were 14 people. We were working on local clients. And Big had aspirations. They had big aspirations. And they were going after Verizon and Valvoline. And they were oh, going wow. after some okay. big clients. And turns out that wasn't my cup of tea. The bigger the client, the slower the process. And we've heard this from your podcast before. Entrepreneurs get frustrated with slow process yep. and more, de shake. more decision makers. And suddenly your client doesn't care about the great product. They care about making their boss happy and their boss happy and their boss happy. And yep. I lost a lot of the passion for it. And so no ill will to big, love them to death. And they trained me and taught me what I know. I said, you know, this direction that you're headed is not really for me. I want to work with the small clients. So after a lot of hard conversations, we decided to part ways. And again, try to do that in the best way possible. I don't ever burn a bridge. I want 
goodwill. I want to talk to John Montgomery, who owns Big right now, and say, you know, we're buddies. You taught me everything I know. Yeah. You put me where I am. Yeah. And we came to a mutual agreement, you know. There are actually a few little clients that Big didn't want anymore that were kind of hanging off the bottom of their coattails. Too small. Too small. Because where they were headed was they couldn't they couldn't work with all the small local clients. And I said, well, I'll take those. I'll take that handful. Yeah. And I'll go start my own thing. Never in the 25 years leading up to that point did I want to be an entrepreneur. Wasn't around it growing up. Hadn't seen it. Wasn't, one of, thing. These, wasn't one of these families that saw a dad that was an entrepreneur. Never had that inspiration. My dad was a nine to five corporate lawyer. So entrepreneurship was pretty foreign to me. Didn't take those classes in school. Again, business administration, like mm-hmm. I was one track minded. <laughs> You're going to a big corporation. But here we are, let's start an ad agency. And so three of us left big together, three people, me and two partners and started Modern Brand in October of 2007. So the company is called The Modern Brand. It's in Birmingham, Alabama. That's right. And we turned 15 this month just to celebrate our 15th anniversary. Happy birthday. And we really did set out to be a small business agency. We're a branding firm, but we believe in working with nonprofits, with local Birmingham clients. We've now spread out and have clients all over the country, but still stay true to that small business challenger brand, people who are coming up, people who are starting up. I love the passion of those people. I love working with entrepreneurs and I love how fast things move. You can make a difference for somebody in a month Yeah, when they're starting a business. You're working with a decision maker. And and a little tweak will move the needle. Oh, yeah. They can see it. I mean, I've you, been there. You do one thing right and they get three new clients and they're ecstatic mm-hmm. where, you know, you get Valvoline three more oil changes. They don't really notice that. Mm-hmm. So that's what keeps me excited. I always say I'm a reluctant entrepreneur because I never had this intent and really I think of entrepreneurs as people who are constantly starting something new. And at this point, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm a business owner and a leader. And I've been doing that for 15 years and we're pretty rock steady at this point. So I'd love to hear your opinion on what makes an entrepreneur versus a business owner. Well, I, I, I'll be glad to you are an entrepreneur. So entrepreneurs take something from nothing and create it. So there is no, there was no, the modern brand was not a thing. Yeah. You decided, you know what? I'm going to create this thing. I'm going to start it. I'm going to make it work. So you and your two partners at the time, and we'll talk about that in a second, um, go into a room together go, you know, we're going to start this thing and it's going to be called the modern brand. And nobody knows what the hell, what is the modern brand? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. But you did. And so from that point, you you built that modern brand starting with a couple, two or three clients that Big didn't want. And the next thing you know, we'll, we'll find out where you are today. But you're, you are definitely an entrepreneur. Because with an entrepreneur, I mean, the way I define it is an entrepreneur gets up in the morning, they go out, they kill it, they bring it home and their family eats. And all the families that work for them. So you're, you have employees, you feed all those families. Uh, so you're not just a business owner. You do own it, but you're a big time entrepreneur because you have the mindset of making something from nothing. I mean, I, I love it too because... I said this about a guy named Dave Gibson. By the way, that Bruno Vent team, I remember Gibson was sharing Same space story, with yeah. Yeah, so these guys were buddies. You know, we're talking 10 years ago, 12 years ago when I first met you. Is that right? It was something like that, 13 yeah. years ago. Um, and so the, these guys were both in business together, and they fed off each other, and they helped each other. And I, I love to sit back and watch it because they're both really good at what they do, but both of you are entrepreneurs. And I would just say, just think about, you could buy a franchise. You go buy McDonald's, that's an entrepreneurship. That is a business owner. You created something 
out of the dust. I'm like, we're just going to make this thing happen. And then I'm going to make it work. I'm anxious for them to hear your story about how you made it work. Okay, so the three of you get together. You leave big. We're going to do our own thing. And we don't know what the hell's going on here. We've never done this before, but here we go. So we started this company, The Modern Brand. Yep. What next? So my first lesson, the first year, the lesson that I learned is the things I thought were going to be hard were easy. And the things I thought were going to be easy were really hard. And my best example is I was so worried about where are we going to find clients? Where are we going to make money? How are we going to do this? Clients came. Mm-hmm. Like you open the doors and say, we're doing this at a fair price for small business. They came. And if you produce, they come faster. Yeah. And, you know, three seasoned people, you can have big level talent for modern brand prices. Mm-hmm. People were flocking in. That part that I was so scared about was easy. Getting a damn fax machine set up was the hardest thing I went through that year. And LLC filings and paperwork and finding a lawyer and learning how to do the accounting and the taxes and all the things I didn't even. Yeah, all the stuff that's not modern brand. That's just the stuff you have to have to make a business work. Yeah, all the things I underestimated that first year. That's the lesson learned is there's a lot more that happens under the surface to run a business or to start a business. Yeah, I call that the back office and I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it either. Yeah. I'm very thankful I have a partner who's very good at it. Yeah, I'm. This is I'm. You know, right now I'm in my zone right now, but I don't do back office well at all. I've got somebody that does. who's really good at it. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was my year, first year lesson. Right. Year two. Year two was good. You know, steady trajectory. I I count year two as the year that we kind of grew, and I did a letter campaign to every nonprofit that was registered with the the Alabama Resource Center. There was a group of all nonprofits in the state, and I sent letters to every single one of them. We're here to serve nonprofits. We do branding. You thought you couldn't afford branding. Now you can. We're bringing it to nonprofits. And that yielded us some really cool, really interesting clients that second year. And, you know, nonprofits are what they are. They don't have a ton of money, and it wasn't bringing the cash register, but we had plenty of work to do that year. Okay. And then that you, makes experience. You get experience from that. That's right. And you build up a book. And my theory at the time was every one of these nonprofits has a board of directors. And that board of directors is made up of business people. I wanted them to see what we do for their nonprofit that they care about and then hire us for their business. Yeah. Smart. That was the idea. Yeah. That didn't pan out. That didn't work. Okay. So we get to year three of Modern Brand. And here's where we really open up the hood of the the car and take it for a drive. Year three is where the bottom happened. Um, For anybody who remembers, that was not a good economic year. What year was it? We're in 2009. Oh, yeah. I remember that year. Yeah. Eight wasn't good either. Eight wasn't good either. But eight, we just did nonprofits for, yeah, okay. for little bitty margins. I got you. But nine, we needed some money. And there wasn't any. And so year nine was really tough for Modern Brand. It was the three of us. We, we got rid of any employees we'd had. It was back down to the three partners. And, you know, we can get into this. Some things fell apart in my personal life. Went through a divorce. Some things fell apart in one of my partner's lives. He went through some substance issues and it all kind of came to a head. And there's there's a poetic, poetic moment. We can talk about this. I don't smoke cigarettes, but there's a poetic moment where I'm sitting on the back steps of Modern Brand's office, smoking a cigarette, crying because it's all just falling apart. It's not good. It's all falling <laughs> apart. Life is falling apart. Work's falling apart. Haven't seen one of my partners in three days. Don't know where he is. Yeah, what's happening? None of this is what I signed up for. And that's kind of where I met Bruce. That's kind of where Bruce enters this story. I remember that day. I don't know. I don't know if you were in 
I think I think that oh, day no. led me to you. Yeah, no, I don't remember that day. I remember, that <laughs> I remember we talking met. about that yeah, day. We met. Yeah, I remember the day we met. And you know, I kind of had a real gut check moment of like, do I want to keep doing this? I'm down a partner. I've gone through this really traumatic situation where we had to buy him out, and you know, try. And he's to, a friend. Known the guy for ten years. Yeah, worked at big together. Came over together. Started this idea together. Yeah. So yeah, pretty traumatic. Gut check moment there, like. How are we going to turn this around? Do we want to turn this around? Really hard conversations with me and the one partner remaining. I mean, it's the two of us sitting in a room and it's like, is this a business? What, what, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. And I started talking with you and we started talking about, you know, leadership and how you build a business. And this is where the story gets really funny. And we come back to, you know, opportunities. And this has been a theme through my life. Like that Bruno Vent team thing didn't work out, but it led to some other stuff. It led to big. Right about that time, I think back to the Thanksgiving prior to that. And we had done this little bitty project for the health department in Birmingham, Alabama, Jefferson County Health Department. We designed some t-shirts for an anti-litter campaign that they needed. It was like a t-shirt that said truck bed trash and cigarette butts. And it was just a t- it was a thousand dollar t-shirt project. T-shirt, yeah. Yeah. Done and forgotten about. But they called us the Wednesday of Thanksgiving and they said, there's this big federal grant. We're applying for it. It's got a marketing component that we don't know how to write it. If you can help us write it, we'll just write you into the grant. Like if we somehow get this, you'll be part of it. It's due Monday. Oh, there you go. Do you want to cancel Thanksgiving with your family? Do you want to go Thursday, Friday, Saturday and write this grant? And Yes, I do. And I said, you know, my life's kind of falling apart. I don't really have anybody to have Thanksgiving with. Let's do this. I'm going to need turkey. Yeah. <laughs> So spent a Thanksgiving writing that grant and it just went away. Like they sent it off to the federal government yeah. and we all forgot about it. Goes into big it's black now, holes. Yeah, now. it's now been 10 months since then. And I'm not thinking about that. Like that was a weekend project that never panned out. Mm-hmm. And right there at the bottom of that, bottom of that life cycle, the health department calls me back. And they're like, hey, you remember that grant you helped us write? We got the whole thing. It's $10 million. Oh, here we go. It includes three full-time employees for Modern Brand. It includes three years of guaranteed work and monthly payments every month. It's got an equipment budget for you to buy computers. It's got, it was a, it was an Obama stimulus grant is what it was. It was to get money out in the economy and help small businesses like Modern Brand. And just, it did. It sure did. And that turned the whole thing around. So that was 2010. And that, Built us three years of guaranteed runway, guaranteed monthly income, three employees hired by them and paid by them, equipment, new computers, new printer, new office stuff. It's a blessing. It was, it turned us around. I mean, it, it really did in a lot of ways save modern brand. I don't know that we would be here if that hadn't happened. Uh, well, I, well, I don't know about that, but let me, let me tell you my, my, the way I remember this happening when I first met Michael Bell. So, you know, I was new at coaching too. I had been doing a lot of advising. So I'll just let the listeners know, advisors tell people what to do, but coaches ask questions. I mean, coaching is much easier than advising if you ask me, because I can coach anybody. I can't advise somebody that I don't know anything about what they're doing, but I can coach anybody. So I remember I met Michael Bell, um, 30 years old or about that, something like that. And as I remember it, this was the conversation. I need you to help me find a job. Something to the, to the, cause remember he was, he, he'd been kicked in the nuts for, you know, weeks on end with one friend, business partner that had the substance abuse issues and that wasn't going to work. 
and he, he had had some dealings with in business that didn't pan out. And so he was really questioning whether or not this modern brand thing was going to happen, whether it should happen. I will tell you now, he is one of the most successful men I know. So we're, we're going to continue the story. But I can tell you, it's a great story and it's still ending well. It's not ended, but it's still going well. But when, you know, when I met him, I immediately started talking Bruce talk, which is I'm all about energy and emotions. And I think I'm not saying that that made that happen. But what I saw was a big turnaround in the way Michael Bell lived his life. So he was dealing with a divorce at the time. He had, you know, think of all these things on this young man, 30 years old, got a company. So there, that is the income. You don't have a corporation that you get a nine to five, right? So that's the income. So that's that's waning. He's got a partner he can't find who's also a friend and a business partner, but the guy's doing drugs. And, you know, that, don't, that ain't going to work. He's got one of the business partners, just the two of them now. The business didn't bring in a lot of money. And so he's, he's struggling with, like, do I do this or do I do something else? And I encouraged him to follow his heart, as I remember it. It's where we are today. So that grant turned things around. But I do believe, and I will stand by this all day, every day, there's a reason that grant got selected and funded. And it's because Michael Bell's a good man. And God funds what he favors. And so he funded it. And it turned the modern brand around. They had three years of solid work. And by the way, I'll guarantee you the work they did was, I mean, it's, Michael Bell's never been a guy that doesn't do good work. The work has always been solid. The business side is where most people struggle. So that's probably what we were struggling at. But I'm, I'm thrilled that that happened. You got the grant. It turned it around. We got 36 months of solid pay. Equipment, you know, it's happy times. We got a little, we got a little stress relief going on now. Okay, so now you start the three-year tour on this. That's right. And, you know, it was great. It was a good project. We were really proud to be part of it. We ended up getting all the all the bars in Jefferson County are smoke-free because of that campaign, because of that project. Uh, you can't smoke in a bar because of that. Before that, you could. So some lasting impact on our community. Yeah. But for us, what came out of that was it all comes back to relationships. Guess who else was part of that project and that $10 million? 20 other big nonprofits, the Freshwater Land Trust, consulting firms, all these people that were involved. Do you get to meet them? Every day, <laughs> every them. day. Yeah. And so what spun out from the grant was side work and then project work and then past that. And it really opened our network up again to like who comes in and out of your life and who sees your work and who appreciates the product you're producing. And it set us up once the grant was over, we were off and running back to where we were when we thought we were going to start. And then some. And then some. Yeah. And so... That was 10 years ago. The 10 years since then have been fruitful and we feel blessed. And the team today is 10 people. And the reason it's 10 people is I like to do the work. And maybe that's what makes me an entrepreneur is I still like to do the work. Yeah. We've scaled up. We've been 15 people. And at that point, you're just managing people. Right. Suddenly, my day was checking on everybody else, not actually writing anything or creating anything. And... That's not my favorite thing. I'm still enjoying the work. Um, Have you ever seen a TV show called Beat Bobby Flay? Yes. The one thing I love, there's a lot of good chefs. I mean, there, we have them right here. Frank Stitz, we have, we have no, a number of really top tier chefs. Um, but the Beat Bobby Flay, he cooks every day. Yeah. Like you, you, you come on, I mean, he, there, even on TV, there's lots of, but I love Bobby Flay because he does it. Like you come on here, y'all compete and I'm going to beat the one that wins. Right. But he, he is still doing the work. He still shows you every day that he can cook. I mean, that's what he's a chef. 
So that's kind of what you're saying. And you, keeping your finger in it is what you love. And that is what makes you an entrepreneur is you, you love doing the work and you, you do a portion of it and you've got 10 others that, that do that. So after the three-year period, I'm assuming that grant went away because it was a three-year grant. Now what happens? We, we latched onto those partnerships, those people that we met through the grant, had some you know ongoing projects past grant, but also really just had a reputation at that point. We, we were six years established. People knew Modern Brand. People knew us. And the phone started ringing yeah. and started building real clients. And my original idea with Modern Brand was if we work with startups, some of them are going to hit. If you work with 20, two of those are going to go gangbusters. And they'll remember who got them there. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't happen fast enough. And that's why we got where we got in 2009. None of those hit. Mm -hmm. But then once we kind of had three years to wait it out, a couple of them hit. And so we had a couple of big clients that we've been with since day one that became national leaders, big deals, national companies. And those were our first big clients. We grew with them. We got them there. We just had to wait. The timing was everything on that. Yeah. And I wouldn't have made it if the grant hadn't given me that three years to wait for those circular genes and brain trust to make it big. Yeah. And by the time they made it big, we were like, all right, well, the grant's over. We're ready to rock and roll. We're, you. we're yeah. back here. Yeah. Well, I, so, think you, I do think you would have made it. You would have made it differently. But I mean, you, you, you're a guy that you'll find a way. I mean, the, the grant probably... There, there's a saying, the enemy of great is good. Mm -hmm. And the grant might have put you into a little bit of that good category because, and I've been there too. You, when you sign a big contract, you go, okay, I got a year's worth of work or three years worth of work. So, you know, I got this little relief here that, going. But sometimes I find that that throws you into that good category because the fight slows down a little bit. The, you know, the hunger slows down because you go home and go, all right, I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm good here for a minute. What about fitness to lead? You mentioned that to me. Yeah. Uh, that's something I really believe in and talk about a lot. And I've actually got another friend who does leadership coaching also. And I know this is a big thing for you is like, does fitness, physical fitness, we're talking about physical fitness. Yep. Does it play a role in leadership? Does it play a role in like motivating people and having energy for your day? Is it important? And I know lots of leaders who are not fit. And I know lots of leaders who are very fit. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it's an interesting conversation. Not everyone agrees with it. it. It can be controversial. Leaders who are not fit take a lot of offense to this and get their, their backs up about it. Mm -hmm. For me, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I, I saw something really interesting about there's three things in life. Time, money, health. And when you're young, you have time and you have health. You got two out of three, but you probably don't have much money. Mm -hmm. Then you get to middle age and you're starting to make some money, but you got no time. You're deep in your career, you got kids, you got family, you got yep. stuff going on, you got no time. But you're probably still healthy and you're probably got a little money. And then you get past that and you get to the later age and you got all the time in the world and you got some money, but that health starts to decline. So for me, when I think about this, how can you cheat that system? Like if that's what we accept as the American system, how can I get all three in that middle age? Yeah. I know, I know my health is going to decline naturally, but how long can I prolong that? What can I do to have health, money, and time at the same time? And that's a really interesting paradigm to think about in your day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Well, you know, that's my business. So we have two coaching firms. One is leadership and one is wellness. 
And I started the wellness company four years after leadership. And the reason was I was routinely going into an office of a CEO and I'm looking at a guy that's sick. I mean, he's upset that he can't run his business or it's not going like his one. But step one is he don't feel good. I'm like, hey, look, dude, the first thing we need to do is let's get you feeling better so you can run your company. And not only that, but it also goes in your personal life. Hang out with your kids. I've got a grandchild now. Hang out with your grand. And I don't mean in a wheelchair. Let's get in a form, play with them or do ball or whatever you're going to do. Uh, but I think there's a direct correlation also mentally. So, you know, mentally and emotionally, you're affected by your physical being. And if you don't feel good and you're, or you're sick, mentally you're not all there and emotionally you're certainly not all there or even negative. So um, I pitch all day, every day, be well. It's a, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, at the, end of the, at the end of your days, nobody cares how much money you've got, but, but if you're well, you know, T-Bone Pickens, and I don't know him personally, but I think he, he made his first million dollars like at 80 or something like that. So there's a way to do both. I'll tell you a quick story. So I've got a friend that he's gonna, he'll be on the podcast and he was a, an IV drug user for 10 years. He's clean now for 10 years. So good guy, great friend of mine, um, got a young family. Um, but when I talk, he's, he's not well. He, he's probably 35. Uh, I saw him today and he's chubby. And so when I mentioned to him, hey, why don't you think about being more well? Why don't you take care of yourself? He's got young kids, you know? So for me, I mean, at 61, right now, I'm, I'm in the point where Bruce Jr. sitting right here in the room with us. When that kid has babies, I want, I want to be there. I mean, I want to be there for him. His older sister, we got a kid. we got a seven-month-old right now that we all love, and I want to be there for her. And then we've got his little sister is a couple years younger. So, I mean, you start adding the numbers up, I'm going to be 80, you know, when, he, when his grandkids keep pouring in. So I want to be well. But when I talk to this young man today about being well, and I know I know him, I've known him a long time, but I've mentioned it more than once, he kind of giggles. He, he, he typically will make a joke about wellness, and that's his out. So today I had a great, it was, it was a great, he actually went flying with me. So we're both sitting in the cockpit with headsets on. It's just us two, right? Nobody can hear us but us. And I asked him, I said, hey, his name's Steve. I said, Steve, let me ask you a question. How serious are you about staying clean? So you've been clean 10 years. And this guy was shooting heroin. So it's a big deal. I mean, it wasn't like drinking. He was doing hard drugs. He goes, I'm, I am very serious about it. I mean, you know, my life depends on it. I've got children and and I go, okay, well, that's the way I feel about wellness. So when I say something about wellness and you giggle, how would you feel if I giggled when you talked about drug addiction, right? Because for me, he's going to die. I mean, he's got his dad had a heart attack at 60. I'm, I'm sorry, at 42. And his granddad had one at 60. Mm-hmm. The guy's teed up for a heart attack. You walk around with this real fat. Um, and so this whole wellness to lead, I, I tell folks all the time, you're not only leading your company, but you've got a family. I mean, what, what happens like this thing that's right now, what happens to your two girls if you get sick and go in the hospital? Yeah. Or worse yet, we put you in the ground. Yeah. Right. I, I tell people this all the time when I'm coaching. I go, give me your priorities in life. I want to know, I want to know the top three priorities, right? And I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm going to give them to you. But I routinely hear things like my children, my family, money, whatever. But rarely do I hear me. Right. I want to hear me. I want them to give me their name. And the way I the way I coach it is I let them I give them the opportunity to fuck it up and tell me the wrong stuff and then I give it to them. Here's the priorities, guys. If you want to know them, Coach Bright's priorities. Number one is if you believe in a God, put him or her first. Most of them demand it. The one I'm Catholic, mine does not play around. No other God before me. So put God first. And then second is Bruce. I mean, it's me. 
It's before Bruce Jr. and before my kids, my wife. But it's in a very humble way because the reason I've got me at the top is because I want to be here to take care of them. It's trickle, it's trickle down. It is trickle down. It's yeah. absolutely trickle down. So when I when I have a, you know, this is the, and then on, and number three, it don't matter. Whatever, because whatever you put at three, four, five, six, 20, it'll be taken care of as well as you can if, if you're there for them, physically, emotionally, mentally, um, financially, all those things. But all that goes away if you're not there physically, you know, if you're not healthy. Um, and so I preach that all the time, but one of the most disheartening conversations I have, and by the way, it's more frequent than you think, is I have a client sitting right there where you're at. And I'll ask them, what's your priorities? They're sitting there 80 to 100 pounds overweight. The first thing they say, my children, Dr. Bright, it's my kids. And, you know, it's usually confidential. It always is. I'm in here by myself with them. And I just give it to them. I go, you're lying. There's no way that you love your children the way you're telling me you do sitting there 80 to 100 pounds overweight. Because I got a question for you. When your fat ass dies, who's going to take care of the babies? It ain't going to be you. It's going to be your spouse or your sister, whoever's going to be, but it ain't going to be you. So if you truly love your children, put yourself first on that priority list right behind God. If you don't believe in God, put yourself number one. But you got to take care of yourself so you can be here. And you can see right now, if you were to go away, the modern brand will end. Yeah. And then you've got a, a wife and a daughter that will be, I don't know, they'll struggle, but they ain't got no dad. Yeah. They ain't got no husband. Yeah, so it's really important. So I think this fitness elite idea, it is right down my alley, and I preach it all day, every day. And I'm not talking about bodybuilding. I'm talking right. about wellness one on one. Let's get our body fat where it should be, our body water where it should be. Let's get you know healthy at the cellular level, um, and then you can do all the other things that you want to do. Here's, so here's my take on it, and I, I've had some hard conversations with people who don't prioritize it, just like you have. Like, why is this so important to you? For me, it produces two things. It produces energy for the rest of my day. I, I work out every morning at 530. 530 I'm a.m. workout partner. 5.30 no. a.m., five days a week with something outside on Saturday or Sunday. But I'm in the gym 5.30 a.m. every day, every weekday. It produces energy for the rest of my day. If I don't do it, I sleep late. I roll out of bed at 7.15. Slavish. I'm behind already in the day. Like... The, the whole day starts, starts off wrong. Yep. And by 5 o'clock, I'm already tired. Like, you would think getting up at 5.30 a.m. would make me tired, but it doesn't. That fires energy you fires you up for the rest of the day. I'm with you. So it pushes me through the rest of my day. And the second part for me is mental clarity. And me and my wife have talked about this a lot because it's a sacrifice for the whole family for me to go to the gym every morning. I mean, it, it impacts What time her. do you get home? I'm, I'm home and showered and back into the routine by 7.15. Okay. But, you know... Three-year-old daughter's already up. I mean, yeah. it, it it impacts the family. Yeah. The mental clarity that I get from that hour, the time to plan my day, to think about what I've got going on, it's the only hour of my day that's not controlled by somebody else. So when you talk about, you know, putting me first, that's my one hour. Yeah, that's your me time. And you should see the number of texts and emails and things that I fire off at that 715 minute when I'm back. fired up once I've had an hour to process stuff and think about my day and what needs to happen. Yeah. My, I got one of them. I got one of them. My team, my team hates it. Yeah. My team of modern brand. <laughs> I've already told them like, I don't expect a response. Yeah. I know 715 is not work time yet. Right. That's okay. Don't respond, but I'm going to fire off these ideas when they come. Yeah. And so that hour is precious to me. Same here. I go every morning. This morning I, I, I did a fly. I flew. Took off at 
7.30, but I was in the gym at 5. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, I was completely fired up. I already worked out. I had a healthy breakfast. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that came with me, I mentioned him earlier, the guy that was IV drug dealer. He rolled out. Slobbies came there. Felt like crap. I mean, say, you know, but two different men yeah. uh, on this on this on, at 7.30 in the morning. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, the, the biggie, too, is it's endurance. I mean, folks don't think about it when they're – Bruce is 23. I don't know that he's thinking about He can get through the whole day no matter what. He's got energy all day every day. I wish I had half his energy. But I don't know that he's thinking about being 30 and being 40 and being 50 because this is what I tell young folks like him. I have the same heart in my chest right here now that I had when I was 23. Mm -hmm. Right, I've got the same kidney, liver, lungs. Don't don't have the same knees. Yeah, yeah. I have the same knees. I want to keep them. I don't want to swap out. There is a swap out program in America, but I don't want to swap out. I want to keep the ones I've got. And it all depends on how you take care of it. So – Start now. And I'm hoping I've set an example for my kids. Do that. I will tell you, all three of my kids are in good shape. Mm-hmm. They're athletes. So what about, I know you've been rejected, and I want people to, I want people to, to learn from your entrepreneurial experience. But so when you've been rejected, and there's been many times, you're an entrepreneur, I'm one. I can't tell you many times, I've heard no. <laughs> so how do you deal with rejection when you get rejected? Yeah, you know, there's levels to that. There's rejection from you're in a pitch and you're just not getting it. The way the ad business works, everybody lines up for a cattle call and everybody goes in the pitch and you got to make peace with the fact that you're not going to win them all. And then there's rejection, you know, employees reject you and move on to another opportunity. Team members reject you. I mean, I have, I have somebody who's been with Modern Brand for 10 years who's leaving. Tomorrow's their last day. Feels a little like rejection. Mm-hmm. And you've got to... The mind shift for me was I want everybody to get what they want. Not just Michael Bell. I want everybody to get what they want. You know that's in the first page of my book. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That that. exact wording is I want you to get what you want. But if we're in that cattle call pitch with other agencies and we're not what you want, it would have been a bad deal. We would have been frustrated with each other for years. I want you to get what you want. And I've now gone into... I've changed my whole pitch method with advertising. If you want to hire us, this is who we are. This is what you get. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. I'm not for everybody. Yeah. And well, that's the next level entrepreneurship. The the young entrepreneurs are hungry and they'll got to pick up every nickel on the street. Anything for anybody. I yeah. remember when I first started coaching, I'll coach if you can pay me, I'll coach you. Yeah. Not today. I only coach you. You took me. I was sitting on a stoop smoking a cigarette. That's right. That was in the beginning. Yeah. But today, you got to fit me because I want the best result for every client, just like you do. So you go in and go, hey, look, this is what we do. This is who we are. If you love us, we love you. Let's roll. And if not, I'm okay with it. Yep. Right. Pick the the guy that's right. That's that's senior level entrepreneurship there. Same thing for these team members and employees. And they're part of our family. I mean, we're a small agency. We are 10 people. And- this person who's leaving has been with us for 10 years, and I'm very sad to see her leave, but I want her to get what she wants. Yeah. We are not the end-all, be-all. I mean, we are still a 10-person ad agency in Birmingham, Alabama. She has other opportunities. She can go do more, do Something bigger things. Bigger yeah. Sure. And I've got to put myself and my ego aside for that. You've got to accept that everybody needs to get what they want. Right. And if you can empower that, if you can take that as a – a positive instead of a negative. I mean, I've now turned to where, you know, rehiring for this position. So she's leaving. I'm rehiring. And I'm sitting there with these people who are young. And I'm like, 
you're not going to be here forever. Yeah. Here's what I want for the next five years. I want you to get what you want. I want you to learn these skills. I want you to get really good at this. And then I want you to go do your thing. Do your thing. Yeah. And we both win. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, they're lucky to see they've got this, they got this seasoned entrepreneur, this seasoned business owner. Because you know this. When you started, that was not your <laughs> Absolutely not. That was not your attitude. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> but, it, but it is now. And so you moved on 10, 12 years into it. You're much more seasoned. Uh, you're very comfortable with who you are and what you do. You're very confident in what you do, obviously. Or if you didn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to say what you say. And at the end of the day, it's best for everybody. Because if somebody is not a good fit, I, I can say this with clients, with coaching clients, I don't want to work with somebody that doesn't want to work with me. It, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's yeah. a big failure. Same, so same for my them, world. Yeah. I want them to, if they, we got to meet each other. And if they want to work with me, it can be a blessing, but it can be miserable if you've got a client that doesn't want to work with you. And I, I've had a few of those where uh, a company would call me and say, I've got a, you know, I have one, she's a physician. She was screaming at her assistant in front of patients. So they told her, go work with Dr. Bright for six months or we're firing you. Okay. I, I sat her down and I said, look, I want to help you and I don't want you to be fired, but I don't want to work with you if you're going to be a bitch the whole six months. I work with you, right? Do you want to do this or you do not want to do this? And I don't want an answer. Think about it. Yeah. Go, go sleep on this a little bit and think about who you're going to work with. You know me. You research me. If you want to do this with me, then I want to do it. I'm all in. But I am not working with somebody that's got a lot of hate and discontent for coaching. So, and, it, and by the way, it worked out great. She, she's still at that company today. She changed. She went back. She's a great physician. Uh, she was always a great physician. She just had a bitchy yeah. attitude. That, that's what it was. And the customers, the actually, the assistant didn't mind as much as the, client, the patient's. We're like in the chair going, oh, hold on, what's, what's happening here in front of me? And you got a scalpel in your hand getting ready to cut on me after you're, after you're angry. So, you know, I, I agree. I think it's got to be it's got to be the relationship in the best entrepreneur setups are a mutual relationship where the client and the, and the business want to work together. But I think once you that statement that you just said, once you accept that and really believe it, rejection becomes easy. Yeah. I mean, I don't get a new client now. I'm like, what if it? Okay, moving on. Yeah, there's another. Good. There's 350 yeah. million Americans out there. One of them's going to be a fit. Good deal. If they didn't want me, I don't want them. That's right. It yeah. wouldn't. Have, it would have been unpleasant. It'd have been miserable, and you lost money. Yeah. Yeah. I even say, you know, I've told a number of of young clients, I, I don't really care too much about what people think about me. And when I say that, I don't say with a grain of salt. I could give a shit what people think about me. I don't. I don't care. Yeah. And the reason is because I'm doing what I think is right, and if somebody disagrees with me, they're Concerning the agreement, but I just don't give a flip. You know, that's their business. They can, they can disagree if they want to. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll put this caveat in there. One out of 100, I'm real sad about. One out of 100, there's one where I'm like, we were a good fit. You misunderstood. And I'm real sad that I got rejected. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you think, yeah, if you, could, if you could see the light and they couldn't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 99% of the time. See, you wouldn't want to be. Great. Yeah, no, because, no problem. Yeah, because it wouldn't work out. Yeah. So I know that you've got 10 employees. Yep. Um, let's talk about what COVID did to your business. And I don't, but you can talk about as much as you want to about it, but I know that right now a big issue, and I told you I met a couple yesterday and they both work from home and, and I won't mention the company because it's a big one, but the, the husband's company said, you need to you need to come back in the office. And he said, I ain't coming back in the office. You, you take it or leave it, but I ain't coming back. I'll work from home. I will not work for you. I'll work somewhere else. So, this little bitty, tiny, 10-man, the modern brand, how has it affected you? So COVID happened, 2020, 
literally there was a Friday where we all left the office on normal. And by Monday it was like, maybe we shouldn't go in today. I mean, it was a weekend situation yeah. where from Friday to Monday, everything changed. Yeah. And we were out of the office for six months, truly shuttered. No one went in. I worked from my basement. We were entirely modern brand physical office was not open. But you were still doing business. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So everybody work from home. Let's figure this out. So we spent six months like, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. What is Zoom? How are we going to do these calls? Everybody figured it out for the first six months. And then, you know, things started to regain back to normal and some normalcy came back. But for my employees, they proved that they could do their jobs from home. They, They have six months of track record this social experiment that we all participated in. Everything got done. Nobody's pissed off. We all still got paid. Why do we have to come back into the office? And they have a valid point. We will never go back full time. We are a hybrid office now. And the way we've decided to approach this is I'm pretty much in the office four or five days a week. I'm physically in the office. If you need to interact with me, that's where you can find me. You all have a desk. You all have a computer. Come co-work with me one day if you'd like to. Okay. If we have some collaboration work, great. I'm here. If we don't, work from home. That's fine. Okay. You don't demand it. And why don't you demand that they come in? One. What will happen? Yeah. One, I really think it's they don't have to come in. I, I don't think they have to come in to do their job. So I'm okay with it. Two. They ain't going to work for Modern Brand very long if I make them all come into the office every day. Yeah. If somebody else will let them work from home. Anybody else will let them work from home. Yeah. You know, realistically, I'm no longer competing with the other Birmingham ad agencies for talent. I'm competing with national everybody for talent. Yeah. Because you can work from your house and work for Facebook and Meta now. And you can work for Twitter. Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. So if I don't adapt and make this tenable for everybody... And what you want to do, if you want to work from home, if you want to work from Mexico, I had, I had a team member who went to Mexico for a month and worked from there. Yeah. I've got to figure out a way to make that work. Right. Because that's the only way I'm going to keep talent. Yeah. When, in the coaching business, um, I've coached my clients when I'm doing a phone call, when I've done hundreds of them with you, my clients don't care where I'm at. So I've coached from beach houses in Costa Rica and you, know, you name it, I've been there. As long as I'm on the call at the time, most of be on the call. My client doesn't really care. And I think some businesses lean, you know, lean that, that that works depending on what it is. Some do not. But, you know, I had one job in my life uh, working for somebody else after the Marine Corps. And I remember, you know, I, I've been, I was in the Marine Corps 28 years. I, I'd never been for profit. That's, that's for war. You know, we weren't working to make money. We we're working to get ready to go training to go to war. So I retire and I go to work. And I won't mention the name of the company, but I went on a trip for a week to Chicago, a business trip. So, you know, I got little, at the time, you know, Bruce was, I don't know, five, six, seven years old or something, he was a little guy, and all my kids were little. And so I get home on like Friday afternoon, I've been gone all week, and Monday rolls around, I ain't going to work. I'm getting ready to get some, I'm getting some comp time. So it wasn't long, I mean, like, no kidding, 8.15 in the morning, my boss calls me. Where are you? Where are you? And yeah. I said, I am at my kitchen table having coffee with my kid on my lap. That's where I'm at. I was gone all last week. And he goes, Bruce, that's, that's no way to work. You got to come to work. And I go, I don't work for you anymore. That's when, that is when on target leading started. So I just said, I'm not, I'm not coming in. I'm not coming in now. I'm not coming in tomorrow. I'm not coming in all week. I was gone all last week. 
And he, he told me very quickly, you, you must come here and sit at a desk where I can see you working. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I got to see you working. This is way pre-COVID. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, this is 10 years pre-COVID. And I just went, all right, that ain't me. I'm not doing that. What those people are going to get is the worst employees in the entire talent pool. They're going to get the ones that can't get a job anymore. Yeah. Yeah. If you're willing to go sit somewhere nine to five every day and be chained to a desk, you're not a top performer. Yeah. Well, that's what I told him. I said, look, I've got a job. Even back then, this was 10 years before COVID. COVID wasn't even a thing. This is what I told the guy. I said, look, I've got a job to do. By the way, it was business development. Yeah. There are no clients in at our my desk. Yeah, none of them are in my desk. <laughs> they're in Chicago and Texas. I mean, our clients are all over the nation. My job was to go visit them and build a relationship and get the business. It has nothing to do with sitting in an office in Birmingham, Alabama in Liberty Park. So I just went, you know, this, this ain't working for me. It ain't working for you. So let's shake hands. Let's be friends. By the way, we're still friends. Let's be friends and let's let's walk our different directions. And I'm going to go walk a different direction. So I walked out on the six-figure income to nothing and started on target leading. And you know, one client, then the next client, then a corporate client. And then we were off and running. And that was 12, 13 years ago. So here's what it presents for me. I, I accept this is my new reality. It presents a couple problems. One, I'm now in a global competition for talent. Suddenly, I'm bidding against Meta and an ad agency in New York and everybody else for somebody who can work from their house. Doesn't matter where they are. That changes my value proposition when I'm trying to hire. So that's a challenge. Yeah. And challenge two is culture. My people want this. I'm fulfilling their need by letting them work from home, but we are losing modern brain culture. So we see each other once a week. There is no culture. Yeah, we see each other once a week on Zoom. Yeah. Monday morning check-in, that's our Zoom call. Otherwise, it's all what you posted in our project management software. But do you think you lose, in in your business, do you lose some of the creative juices of a bunch of guys sitting around the table, guys and gals? And like, you know, I I don't do that because I'm not the creative juice guy, but you, you are and you have those people. So do you lose that? What we lost is the walk by my computer moment, as I call it. Define that. Back and forth to the bathroom, walking by somebody's computer, you see what they're working on, you see what they're designing, and you say, what if you nudge that over there? What if you tread that in black? Or what if you did this? I got you. That, we're not having a conversation about this. We're not having a meeting about this. I just walked by and saw what you were working on and had an input. That's gone. That kind of magical moment of, I can give you input while you're working on it. Yeah. Now we do creative reviews. We've we figured out some you know virtual tools to do this. We put things up in a tool called Mural where everybody can comment and everybody can add notes and give feedback. And we have live creative reviews with each other. So we talk about stuff and brainstorm. We've found ways to gap a lot of that. And the you know brainstorm process can happen offline. I'm okay with that. The serendipitous Walk by my computer moment is gone. Is yeah. Well, yeah, I do think it may come back. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give up on it. I don't know. It's good. It's not gonna be tomorrow because we're still in. We're we're in a place now where employees love working from home. I mean, you think about it. You you can work in your pajamas. Yeah. You, you can wash clothes. You can. Do, you know I mean, during the day, you do what you want to do. By the way, the coaching business has always been that way because I coach by phone. Yeah. So I do some. I do in person coaching. And I do corporate coaching where I'm in person, but a lot of it is I'm on the phone. And like I said, they don't care where I'm at. But for, for but for other companies, I think there's some benefit to having that face-to-face, uh, like you said, the computer walk-by moment for sure that helps. But, you know, 
my, my second book is about to come out. It's called 1370s. The guy that was, he's my publisher. He was in New York. Well, his wife had a job in Germany. Guess where he is? He's in Germany. So our calls just changed from being evening calls to morning calls because now he's six hours ahead of me. Yeah. So now he's, but his team, he's got one lady in New York. There's a second one in Germany with him. There's one in Texas. And they all just video me, like video ask or Zoom. And we just do timing that works. Mm-hmm. So we are extremely global, this whole team, the podcast. When the, our podcast is ran out of Germany. Uh, I mean, one guy's in Germany, one's in New York, one's in Texas, but they're all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and we do it via some kind of, you know, video ask or Zoom or email or text. Um, and it seems to work, but I do like face-to-face. I think there's, you know, there's something to sitting face-to-face. So I'm hoping that as we go through the, the times and the things slow down with the COVID issues and all that, that we, we get back to coming to work, going to work. I also think we're social animals and there's build, you know, team building and teamwork is a, there's a big deal to, to be in there and be physical with each other and see each other and, and that, each other. that's a, that's a good point. And that's a hundred percent why I just renewed a lease on a physical office. I mean, there are two, Sometimes three days a week that I'm the only person sitting in there. Office. Yeah. But I'm going to keep that office and I'm going to keep it stocked full of snacks and I'm going to keep the stuff there and I'm going to keep the easy Zoom plug in your computer and you're ready to go there. We basically have a studio at this point. I'm going to make that place as appealing as possible for those social animals. When you get tired of working from home, you have a place to go. Yeah, that'd be me. And it has a lot to do with personality types. Yeah. There are types that want to be alone and they right. do really good work alone. They want to, if it's come to work, they want a cubicle, they want something closed. Uh, and then there are people that want, they want lots of interaction. So my challenge is how do I make that place as appealing as possible without demanding anybody come back? Yeah. That's the new entrepreneur challenge. Yeah. Well, maybe you put some fun spots in it, some fun stuff in it. They don't want to come there and play ping pong. They're working from their house. Yeah. They can, if, if it's video games and shit like that, they yeah, got that at home. Yeah. So what is it? It's not that. What is it? It's gotta be, it's gotta be a place to connect with people. Okay. Like you said, it's gotta be, we're gonna have office hours two days a week. If you need to talk to so-and-so about this, she's gonna be set up at her desk. Maybe each person at Modern Brand has a day. I work in the office on Mondays. If anybody needs to talk to me, come Monday. I don't know how it's gonna work, but Maybe. it's not the fun bullshit that used to make everybody the top company to work for in the BBJ. It's not ping pong tables and foosball tables. Oh no. Cause you can do that somewhere and else. And you can do it with and you don't, Yeah, and you don't <laughs> want to do it with your coworkers. You have a beard in hand while you're doing this that, stuff. That doesn't get it. Yeah. Well, we've got to, I think we've got to sort it out because, and, and I, I will tell you that this has a lot to do with personality types. If you're an introvert, you don't want to be in the office. Yeah. You want to be at home. Yeah. And by the way, they, I'm, I'm not defending you introvert people, but they may do their best work at home. Right. You, you never can. I mean, when if you want them to crank it out, like I told the guy that I ended up quitting because he wanted me sitting at, sitting at a desk doing business development, if the, the end result, if the product that they're giving you is really, really, really good, it may be best to let them work from home. Yeah. And then do something where you, where you bring them in. But the, I, I, I do agree the days of everybody comes to work is a nine to five all day. By the way, my son's got a great book out. It's called fucking nine to five. I'm going to, we'll send you home with a copy. Yeah. It's a great book. It's a, if you want to be an entrepreneur, he tells you how he went from kind of being a college student to a six figure income in a year. He's 23. I'm super proud of him, of course. But the, the idea of coming in every day, um, it's, it's waning. It's going to the wayside. 
I heard I heard an interesting thing the other day. So they were talking about this death of the office. The reason people went to an office was it was a physical file in a filing cabinet that everybody needed to access jointly. Paper. We went to the office because that's where the filing cabinet <laughs> was. Yeah. Where's that filing cabinet now? Right. It's in Dropbox. It's in the cloud. It's in a Amazon web server. It, it's not there. So the main precipice for why offices existed and why we all went there to share that central resource is dead. Yeah. So well, it's just changed. It's now online. So what else can you find to make people come in? Yeah, and everything's on. Yeah. You know, so the upside, and, and I, I am about getting together and socializing and working together, especially if the if the company is a company that that needs that. But there is a benefit. Not now. I I did like you. I have an office. We are, we are currently in my home, but my podcast studio is in my home because I like to have people in my home and it's actually nicer than my office. But I do keep an office. I have an office, you know, it's, it's uh, over on Alfred Avenue and I keep it and I'm going to keep it. But same with you. Sometimes I'm the only one in it. I'm looking around going, oh, what the hell am I sitting over by myself for? <laughs> why am I paying this rent? Yeah, why am I paying rent and the lights? But I do think there's some benefit both ways. So we got to find out this, you mentioned this hybrid work we got to figure out what's the right amount of time together and then the right amount of time to cut them loose and let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, I do think it's very much job dependent. Like I have a client right now and they cut chickens up for Tyson. Can't do that remote. Got to come. Damn, <laughs> yep. By the way, all the way through COVID, they didn't miss one day of work. Yeah. Don't all, send, never don't send chickens work. to my house. Yeah, because they do 40 million pounds of chicken a day or something like that. And the tra- it's nonstop tractor trailers. There's, you know, a thousand guys in there with knives cutting chickens. You can't do that remotely. They got to come work every day. So there are obviously jobs that demand retail. You know, if you work at Dick's Sporting Good or something, like that, you got to go to work because people are going to come in and buy the goods. But a company like the Modern Brand, there, there's some options where it may make sense to do some hybrid work like you talked about. And so I'm hoping that as we move forward, we get back to as close to normal. And by the way, the new normal is not going to be what we had, but something more normal than what we have today, where we have some interaction and where it's not required, we we don't do their actions, but we'll see. So let me end this by saying, I want to know what inspires you. So for those that, for those of you out there, we can see now that, you know, Michael Bell, who I've known for a long time, started thinking he was going to be a corporate dude because his father was a corporate attorney. And that's what he learned. That's what he saw growing up. As it turns out, not so much. He, he did a couple of those learning events. Big was the last one. And then he gets with two guys, or a guy and a gal, actually, and said, you know what? Let's do our own thing. I do want to tell an aside story just really hit quick. It, this it. is a funny story. Yeah, That summer after college, when I was behind everybody else, my dad, at his corporate job, said, my company's having a job fair. You need to go down there and get in line. I'm a job fair, hiring for all kinds of positions. I'm like, I'm a Sanford grad. All right, I'll go get in line. Take my resume down there. I got my little sheet of paper. I'm ready to get in a job fair. Never been to a job fair before in my life. Mm-hmm. But my dad's the chief legal counsel for this company. That's got to help, that right? Help. It's got to help. My name's Bell. Help. <laughs> my name's Bell. I go through this whole process, like this job fair day. I'm in there for eight hours. They interview me five different ways. Like I'm interviewed multiple times. They've moved me through the progression of this job fair. And I get to the end of the day and they come back to me and they're like, so your dad's Tom Bell, right? And I'm like, yeah, he is. That's him. That's right. So sign my check. That's right. <laughs> and they're like, so we can't hire you. There's a no nepotism clause in this company. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That your dad wrote. 
He put it in the. He put it in our document. We can't hire you because your dad said we can't hire you. And, and then like, your dad sent you. I'm like, what? Real quick, dad, on the phone. Dad, I got a question for you. There's a little clause here that's got your name on it. Yeah. So yeah, that didn't work out. That didn't work out very well at all. You didn't get hired. Yeah. Well, I remember from that first job I had, and I will tell you, good dude, smart guy, knows what he's doing, really good. He's 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 the cream of the crop in what he does. But I do think it was a blessing for me, too, because I learned very quickly I want to be an entrepreneur. In fact, I told him, I said, I'm not sure what I want to do, but I'm going to go work with people. I'm a very much a people person. So I'm going to go work with people. And it's kind of what you said, like, it's got to be a fit. So, you know, what inspires me is, I mean, I really get my jollies from seeing my clients succeed. And today, when I was talking to this young man that's going to be on a podcast about he was an IV drug user and was 20 for 10 years, really turned his life around, done some really good things. I gave him some examples of where I've seen you were one of them, where I go, all right, here's a guy that started, kind of got lost a little bit, and then just hit it out of the ballpark. And I will say, again, I said at the beginning, the reason that Michael Bell is successful, you're a good dude. I mean, it just comes down to that. You're good people. You take care of people. You're honest. You do good work. You are, you are really good. I do think just being a good dude, that won't get you there. Correct. You've got, to know, you've got to be good. Go back at, that up. Yeah, you got to be able to back it up. Muhammad Ali used to say, I know when I, I'm, I'm teaching grit, so I do some coaching at Birmingham Southern as a team psychologist, kind of the mental toughness coach for some the basketball teams and the volleyball teams. So I was talking to the volleyball team about having grit. I want these young ladies, they're really good athletes, but I'm like, let's get some grit. Let's, let's get some fight in us. And Muhammad Ali had a quote one time, and he said, they said, how many sit-ups do you do every day? And he, he goes, well, I don't start counting them until it hurts. Then I count. So I don't know how many I do, but from when it hurts, I do this many. I know Muhammad Ali, you know, I'm 61, so I grew up, he was a, he was a big fighter. And I'm not, a tr- I'm not a big fan, but I will tell you, he backed up what he said. He would say, I'm going to knock this cat out in the first round, and mama, then in the first round, he knocked him out. So there's something to be said about that whole entrepreneurial spirit, things that inspire you. So let's, let's end it with that. I want to know... That I want the, the audience to hear from a true entrepreneur, what's the inspiration? Yeah. So I think it's changed over the years. And I don't know if you know Strength Finders, if you know some of those other, you know, assessments that oh, you yeah. do. I've, I've kind of, I'm, I'm a serial self-tester. And over the years, it's been really interesting to watch it evolve from like 10 years ago, modern brand, I was an achiever and what drove me was ego and what drove me was my name on the door and what drove me was my success and look at what I did and look at that billboard that I put up there and everybody drive by and that's my work. And even in those assessments, it has evolved. And you can see now it's so much different. It's empathy, it's relator, it's these other soft skills. And what motivates me now today is the growth of those team members. Yeah, And I see that you know, really on my heart right now is this employee who's been with me for 10 years who's leaving tomorrow. But she's just one of a dozen stories. I've got an intern who went on to be a photographer with Vogue. Mm. I've got a Sanford student who didn't know the first thing about digital advertising, who is now the director of digital at a huge trucking company in Arkansas and making a bunch of money and super successful. I've got a social media person who I trained who's now the Instagram manager for the Utah Jazz. I've got modern brand people all over this country that are doing awesome things, that are going beyond what I can do, going beyond what a 10-person ad agency in Birmingham, Alabama can do. And that's my 
current motivation. Yeah. As long as we get the bills paid and we get everything done and clients are happy and clients are successful, that's a good day at Modern Brand. But if those eight people who work for me learn something today that they're going to use five years from now and they're going to better their lives, that's what I care about at this yeah. point. And they will. By the way, the Vogue photographer and these other people, guess what story they're telling right now? They're telling the Michael Bell story. Like you just talked about big, and you talked about how you stepped up to these, 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 you know, step by step to where you got today. They're they're telling Michael Bell stories every day. By the way, my story starts with Michael Bell, my coaching story, right? So you're in the beginning of it, and and I'm the same way. Is that I, I am so happy that you're so successful. It, it, for me, it's a thrill. I just I love telling a story, and I love that you're a go getter and that you're successful. And it's not me; it's you. I mean, honestly. You know, the, the success you have, I don't even know about all the thing, all the steps you've taken. But somewhere in there, I'm hoping that Bruce Wright had some influence. And you know that you've had influence on many young folks that have now moved on to do bigger, and for them, bigger and better things. But the modern brand is still still creating that and still turning these people out. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll close with, I had a great, great creative director. He'd been with modern brand for three years. He was our main lead designer, making everything look cool. And he was great. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, this guy's better than Modern Brand. He could be in New York. This guy, yeah. this guy could be doing more. But let's not tell him that That's just right. yet. Don't let him know. And, you know, long conversations, got to be friends with him. And he agreed he could be doing more. And I brokered a deal for him to get him a new job. I called buddies at another ad agency and said, you need to hire this guy. Here's what I'm paying him. You need to pay him $5,000 more, but he needs the opportunities at your place. And I transferred him to another ad agency. I mean, my top performer. Yeah. Because I wanted to see where he would go. And now he's in Nashville and he's making a lot of money and he's a, a big agency that's doing all kinds of cool stuff. And I'm more proud of that than feel rejected. I mean, I, oh, I helped him move. You made, you made it happen. I made yeah. it happen for him. Yeah, you did. And I'll guarantee you, he's in Nashville He's telling them, like, you you have no idea how many Michael Bell stories are being told right now. You, you don't. The, all these young guys that you bring in, some of you bring in with very little experience, and you train them. And then they go and do something different and something bigger, better, whatever they go. Uh, they're all telling Michael Bell stories. And you're going to keep doing this. You're 40. When you're 60, you'll have 100 more of them. And it's because of what you do. So I'll go back to the beginning as we close. The reason you're successful, my friend, because you're a good dude. You're a good dude, and I love you like a brother. I'll, uh, I'll close with everybody wins. Yeah. If if those people go on and win, then I win too. You do, and you'll continue to win because it's because of who you are, my friend. So, Michael Bell, my friend, love him like a brother. Thank you so much for your time on the Bruce Bright Breakdown. Entrepreneurs, to be out there, if you, if you don't get this story, I mean, this is one you need to listen to three or four times. The Modern Brand is this company, so – you might even hire him if you need some some branding work done or some advertising work done. Michael, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you, brother. Looking forward to having you back on the podcast soon. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Right, take care, brother.